the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Welcome to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I'm so excited to sit down today with Aditi Mohapatra, who is the Vice President of Global Social Impact and Sustainability at Expedia Group. We talked about all sorts of stuff, from what inspired her to join a travel company in the middle of a global pandemic to how Expedia Group is thinking about its role in the sustainability and social impact space and incentives and how they inform Aditi's own thinking about the change we need to see um, and how we make it. I just know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Aditi as much as I did. Welcome to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am so, so, so excited to sit down with a woman that I have long admired, Aditi Mohapatra. She is leading sustainability and ESG and impact at Expedia Group, um, and she's such an interesting and exciting person. Um, Aditi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Liz. It's so great to be here. Uh, So excited to have you here. Um, (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) So I would love if you wouldn't mind um, briefly introducing yourself to our listeners and um, we'll go into like your full how you came to be here story in a bit, but would love to hear just a little bit high level of who you are and what's going on in your world. Yeah, sure. So, so yep, Aditimo Patra, I've been working in the field of corporate responsibility, sustainability, ESG, all those things for the last 15 years. I recently took on um, a new role to oversee global social impact and sustainability at Expedia Group, which has been an interesting and exciting new set of challenges and lots of learning for me. And I just really have dedicated my career to working at this intersection of corporations and society from lots of different angles. And um, and yeah, there's just so much happening in this space. It's a really exciting time to be in this field, and I'm excited to dig in with you today. Yay. Uh, yes. Excited to dig in too. Um, and I often open the podcast with like the biggest question. <laughs> I think it's always <laughs> so interesting to hear what women who are doing this work, um, what's top of mind. If you could change one thing about the world, uh, and it can be anything, it's like the magic wand crystal ball question. What would be the one thing that you would want to change about the world today? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it is a big question, you know, particularly when you look at the world and just the status of kind of social unrest, the status of the planet, the status of inequity, of all of these different dimensions. And it is, um, yeah, it's just a tough moment and it's a tough uh, question to reflect on. But, you know, I think when I do think about it, it is like, you know, I think I would change kind of the incentives, like the incentive structure how we're thinking about what success, what the kind of outcomes that we're seeking together as a a society look like. And I say that because I think, you know, a lot of us or a lot of individuals are really just, you know, can't comprehend and take on some of these long-term, really systemic challenges because they just feel too far out. They're really focused on near-term, short-term outcomes and outputs and don't really understand how those kinds of trends and crises ultimately impact them in the, in the near term. I think we're also just trained, you know, all over the place to just look at um, lots of other metrics for success, you know, like degrees earned, years of education, um, salary, promotions, you know, and within an organization, all sorts of different KPIs that we set out. 
And it just feels like we're always reaching towards very specific kinds of outcomes that don't take into account kind of the interconnected nature and, and, and relationship that we have across society, how we need to be thinking about and accounting for some of these wider challenges that we're all entirely connected to, but don't really have an orientation to work towards. And so I think if we could change incentives to look at them as a little bit more nuanced and look at them as a little bit more interconnected, I would hope that we would be able to understand our role in driving change in a lot of these kind of society-wide challenges. So how is that for a big answer to your mm, big question? I love that. Well, I feel like you're an, you have an economist's heart, as do I. <laughs> I do. You know, my, my undergraduate degree is in, is, in, in, is in economics, so I think that's maybe where that comes from, yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm like, your inner economist is showing, um, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's such a beautiful answer. And I, I think, yeah, that was one of my biggest takeaways when I studied economics. It's like people respond to incentives and the incentives we have in our current system. And, and as you alluded to, both like at the organization level, at the policy level, at the individual level, like they feel broken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and how can we reconfigure those to account for how interconnected everything is? No yeah. big deal. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, um, I would love to hear a little bit more about Expedia Group, changing topics a little bit. I know it's so much more than Expedia. Um, so would you be willing to tell us a little bit about like everything that entails? Yeah, and I think, you know, now nine months in, I, I have a little bit more visibility into answering that question. I'm not sure I fully appreciated all of it when I started either. And so um, I'll try to do it in as simple a way as, as, as I can, but Expedia Group um, is, you know, one of the world's largest online travel companies and has this mission to power global travel for everyone everywhere. And so that means, you know, a portion of what we do, of course, is this kind of ecosystem of marketplaces that we host. And so those are different um, portfolio of about 24 different consumer facing brands. I think the ones that are most well known are Expedia itself, Hotels.com and Verbo. And I think some people may still know that as VRBO, but that's Verbo. And those are some of the you know, larger kind of consumer facing brands that we that we host. And then we have this large other side of our business, which is really about um, being a technology, a travel technology company and a travel technology platform where we can use our supply, our technology solutions to power our business partners and allow them to meet travelers where they are and help them kind of have the, the technology solutions to help um, travelers that they connect with plan and book their travel experiences as well. So we have a very large kind of B for B side of our business, um, which you know interacts with all different hotels and cruise lines and airlines. And then this technology component that powers other travel sites. And then of course the marketplaces like Expedia, Hotels.com and Verbo as well. So lots of different kinds of pieces pieces to that group. Wow, absolutely. And and so much travel related technology. I didn't realize that Verbo is the correct way of saying VRBO. That's good to know. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I learned that um during my interview where I was uh, I was speaking about VRBO and was corrected to to know that it's yeah, it's actually called Verbo. Uh, well, I just learned a couple weeks ago that <laughs> GIF is GIF. It's like officially yeah. GIF, so learning new things all the learning time. Learning new things, yes. Um, well, I'd love to hear a little bit about what your current day-to-day -day looks like managing, um, and, and correct me, like, what is the current term of art at Expedia Group? Is it impact, mm -hmm. ESG, corporate responsibility, sustainability, all of the above? Yeah, it's a little bit of all of the above, and I think depending on you know, who you intersect with throughout the company, they have kind of embraced a different term. Um, my formal title for my role is Vice President Global Social Impact and Sustainability. Um, and so those are the kind of, you know, two pillars that I'm, that I'm kind of working towards, but it is all encompassing. And so the role itself and the remit is quite big. It includes all of our philanthropy, all of our employee volunteering work, um, our community engagement at large, um, human rights, of course, climate and sustainability, 
social impacts. Um, so all of those different dimensions, um, you know, feed into this role. And I think that, you know, these roles and these titles are kind of just um, structured in different ways. I think depending on when the role was created, the kind of intention behind it. And I think, you know, initially for Expedia Group, there were really just two main areas of focus that needed to kind of get built out. And that was our social impact work, as well as our sustainability work. And I think there was internally just a little bit of hesitation around the term corporate social responsibility, where I think, you know, a lot of organizations have shifted away, of course, from that kind of language. Um, and so thinking a little bit more about kind of where we could be from a proactive perspective. But then I will say in a lot of my internal engagement with colleagues, you know, we do talk about ESG increasingly as, of course, you know, we're intersecting more and more with the investor community and their interests and expectations of this group as well. Awesome. Amazing. It's so, it's been so interesting. I know, you know, and have watched even longer than I have as the terms of art have evolved, but that makes a lot of sense why those two pieces would be called out explicitly in your title. Um, and would love to hear a little bit more about like, what, like, what does the vice president of global social impact and sustainability do on an average day? I know what drew me to this field initially was just the sheer variety of things that could land on your plate on a given Wednesday. I would love to hear a little bit more about that if you can share. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, for Expedia Group and where where the company is today, I think, you know, um, right now my role has been all about setting out strategic direction. And really, you know, that means taking stock of kind of all the work that's been done to date getting a really deep understanding of the intersections of travel and tourism with sustainable development. And we could do a whole episode on that. Um, mm -hmm. There's just a ton, ton there. And I've done a lot of learning um, in that space. And so understanding um, where we've been today, understanding our impacts, and then of course, understanding the multitude of stakeholders that we have to deliver for. And I think that's been one of the things that I've, um, you know, been challenged by, but, you know, um, thankfully challenged by. So, you know, there's employees with their expectations, and that's been a hugely important kind of stakeholder community, of course, for us. There's investors, which are regularly, you know, um, moving the needle on kind of expectations of companies and their ESG performance. Regulators, which have been incredibly active, of course. Civil society, um, our business partners. And as I said, you know, we have business partners across every dimension of travel and tourism and so that's flights hotels car rentals cruise lines destinations themselves and um, so both their expectations of us but then also so many opportunities to partner and and how we drive um, their priorities forward as well and then of course travelers you know travelers at large and what are travelers interested in and how are we delivering value for them and so there's all these different stakeholders that a role like mine has to be able to deliver value for which is you know, unique, of course, within a corporate setting, right? So, mm -hmm. of course, those uh, colleagues that are in marketing and brand are really just oriented on the traveler experience and are really thinking about kind of that unique stakeholder set mindset. And I think, you know, people on the people team are really thinking about employees deeply. And, um, and of course, in this role, it's all of the above and creating a strategy and creating strategic priorities that deliver value for all of those different stakeholders. So that has been a real focus of mine in the first few months as I've gotten going, um, which has been, you know, challenging um, because all of those communities don't speak the same language, all of those communities don't have the same priorities, um, but you still have to kind of cut through all of that and um, and find space that, again, is is impactful and meaningful for all of those. So that's been, that's been a big priority. Getting the team in place has been a big priority. Um, you know, we are building out a team, hiring new um new expertise in in-house and i think you know um initially that was just one of the things that i think you know was really important to me was what is this team going to do how are we going to be um built and what is our role going to look like within the company and i think you know we've come around to where a lot of other i think um you know teams like this have it within companies but really to be that center of excellence and to be able to be kind of subject matter experts and partner with the rest of the business to help achieve a lot of the really ambitious objectives that we'll be putting out, um, you know, and, and really serving as a center of excellence. But to do that, we need to have a lot of subject matter expertise, right? We have to bring in 
kind of the in-depth experts on climate and sustainability. We have to bring in the technical expertise on economic empowerment. We have to bring in the expertise around inclusion, inclusion, diversity, and equity. You know, we have to bring in all of those really in-depth experts um, to be able to partner again with the rest of the business to execute kind of on our vision. So setting out the strategic direction, building out the team, and then I think the next big phase of work will really be integration across the business and, you know, looking at, um, you know, building out that network of champions, which are so crucial for roles like these to be able to be successful, um, getting that kind of buy-in, getting that kind of support. Um, I've been really grateful for, you know, all of the support that I've already had to date. There's been so much enthusiasm throughout the company about this work. Maybe no surprise there. I think everybody, you know, wants to be able to do more and, and work for a company that's doing more. So there's been lots of enthusiasm and support, but building some more of that integration and structurally, you know, a, turning back to incentives where we started, you know, getting some of these metrics and KPIs integrated into and across the business. So that's the kind of next phase of work that needs to happen. And then on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, there's a lot of just internal um, employees asking for information about what we can do. I was, um, you know, earlier today, I kicked off um, our Earth Month content for, for Expedians and um, hosted a webinar where we're trying to just bring greater awareness and understanding of these issues of sustainability, how they intersect with travel and tourism to our employees. Because again, our team will never be able to be big enough. So as much as possible, we can raise awareness across the business and get others activated um, to you know, do their part to, to really move the needle on these issues. That's obviously gonna just bring more success to the company overall. So um, phase one, strategic direction, you know, building out the team, and then really this next phase is about kind of integration and getting the whole company kind of moving in this direction. Uh, absolutely. Well, it's so exciting um, and such a like such a massive undertaking, I imagine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, at a company of this size. And also, I can think of no one better qualified to <laughs> to put all the pieces in place and really think strategically about about these issues and challenges and opportunities. Um, but would love to hear if you're willing to share in as much detail as you're comfortable with. How did you get to be here today? And and really the invitation is to take up space and tell your story. Um, you can go back, if you wanna go back to your econ undergrad degree, <laughs> uh, permission granted, but wherever makes the most sense, would love to hear um, in some color about your career journey to this point. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I've, I've actually been in this space of, again, corporate responsibility or sustainability and, for, for about 15 years, which is, you know, quite a while at this, at this stage. And I came around to it really out of graduate school. So I won't go quite back to undergrad, but, but in graduate school, I went to go get my MBA really because I needed two years to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, an MBA is a flexible enough degree. You can kind of go and spend time and, and just learn and then also explore and, um, and meet people and, um, and hear about different career paths and different career journeys. And so I went um, to DC to, to get my MBA and met a lot of very interesting people, participated in different career panels where um, one day there was a career panel around sustainable and responsible investing. And I think at that time it was still called socially responsible investing, SRIs. It was, you know, quite a long time ago. And um, and a company called Calvert was on the panel talking about, um, you know, just this new dimension of investing where you could align your values with um, with your financial investments. And I just thought it was so smart. And, you know, we were, the panel was asking questions about just the role of business in society, the responsibility of, of businesses to tackle issues like childhood obesity, to, you know, environmental degradation, to all of these different kind of complex issues and just what the role and expectations of business were um, in that space. And that was just, you know, sometimes that just happens, that spark kind of happens. And for me, it just was so intellectually cur curious. I was so intellectually curious about it and stimulated by those discussions that, um, you know, I, I sought to get a, a summer internship at Calvert and I was able to, and then spent the next nine years working in Calvert as, the field of what is now known as ESG investing really um, evolved and changed and grew so much in terms of um, its level of sophistication, as well as 
um, the level of interest in the field. And I really had a lot of different roles during my time at Calvert. I did a lot of work, which is focused on research to start and just read through a lot of CSR reports, a lot of proxy statements um, to understand kind of how companies are setting out policies, what kinds of programs they had in place, and what their disclosures and transparencies look like to demonstrate their actual performance across a range of different issues. I would, um, I was focused on the technology sector in particular, and it was just such an interesting experience, both doing a lot of that research and then setting out kind of the expectations from an investor perspective of what was necessary to be considered a responsible investment. I also did a lot of engagement directly with financial advisors and um, and then therefore their investors on you know making the case that there was a world in which you could align your investments with you know your values and um, and just seeing that spark so much interest for so many people I think it, you know it's a precursor of course to where we are today and, and just the heightened expectations from every stakeholder but it was really great to get that kind of engagement as well and and to understand how um, people felt about those kinds of connections and their willingness to really, you know, um, put their investments where kind of their values were. And that was, um, that was still new at that time. Um, and then I got to do a lot of shareholder advocacy work, which I felt like was so such a smart and engaging form of advocacy. So, um, you know, we used our position as investors within companies to advocate for change and and I got to go to annual general meetings and talk to boards of directors about, you know, why I thought that they should um, increase board diversity was a big issue that I was personally focused on during my time at Calvert. Um, and that was all just, you know, tremendous engagement and tremendous kind of foundational work to, to the rest of my career. Um, and I really, um, you know, I think now just being where I am, I mean, I think the change in the investor community has been the driver of so much of what mm -hmm. we've seen activated across corporate America. So I'm super proud of my time kind of getting getting started in that space. And I continue to think it's just such an important part of the overall mix of, you know, what we need to see kind of happen. So spent, spent um, quite, some, quite some time there. And then, as you know, I spent uh, the next, um, you know, not nine years about at, at BSR, at Business for Social Responsibility for you know, those who are not familiar, it is a um, a business network of, you know, mostly large Fortune 500 companies. Um, and, you know, we work with those companies to improve their sustainability practices through consulting and collaboration and research and, and other things. And I started um, in, in, in BSR's uh, San Francisco office working with the technology sector where I got to partner with wonderful people like Liz um, <laughs> and, um, and really, you know, help um, advise tech companies on sustainability strategies. And, you know, what a fun industry to get to work with at that time. And just so much, again, change and, um, and lots of new ways of, of thinking, which was, um, which was such so dynamic and so great. And um, really going into, you know, conversations with really, of course, some of the largest tech companies um, and, where there was an openness to think about doing things differently and really, you know, an aversion to kind of this uh, world of corporate responsibility standards and things that had been built up and, and wanting to kind of go about it their own unique way and, and getting to partner with them um, on those journeys. And so got to work across the Bay Area with lots of different um, leading tech companies on their sustainability strategies. Also got to work within, you know, BSR, an organization of you know, I, I don't know exactly its size today, but about 150 people that are working on all different dimensions of corporate responsibility and sustainability and really, um, you know, needing to stay ahead of the curve to stay relevant, right? So that, that organization obviously also has to kind of position itself in that way. And, um, and then shifted during my time at BSR to um, work outside of the tech sector, but build up our work across gender equality and women's empowerment and then more broadly across all the different dimensions of social sustainability, including um, including diversity, equity, and inclusion, social justice, and human rights. Um, and yeah, took on a few other roles as one does at, at small small-ish nonprofits. Um, and had a you know just a great opportunity partnering with lots of different companies on their sustainability journey, their strategies, how to deliver impact through partnerships, all sorts of different dimensions and vectors of this field, which 
um, which was incredibly exciting. And, you know, and I, I learned just so, so much. And then had this opportunity at Expedia Group come up where, you know, I was able to take kind of all these lessons from kind of the outside, frankly, right? From the investor community's perspective, from um, the consulting and the kind of NGO perspective, to be able to bring all that I had learned in, you know, those years to really design and, and build my own program, um, you know, <laughs> maybe not my own, but, you know, on behalf of Expedia Group and, and get to take all of that insight um, and see, you know, how I would apply it. And, and really, um, I had learned all of the what, you know, what, what is necessary, what is needed, you know, what is kind of best in class, but I really hadn't delivered on the how, you know, I think at BSR, I had given a lot of guidance to companies on, on what the how might look like. And that I hadn't been on the in the driver's seat of, of delivering on that how, and that is the journey that I'm on now, um, is really understanding, you know, just how this work translates across a lot of competing priorities inside of a company, how you make it resonate with individual leaders and different business units, um, how you bring people on board to this work, and and not get so nuanced that you're just losing people in the process, but you're really just bringing others along. Um, and, you know, hopefully over time, how you kind of shift some of those incentives to also be aligned more in the direction that we know we all we all need to kind of get to. So um, it's been it's been really fun. And I really have appreciated getting to look at, again, this intersection of business and society from so many different angles. Um, I think each one unveils different, you know, different challenges, different opportunities. Um, we need all of these different groups at the table to really drive the kind of change that we want to see. And it's just each each angle has taught me so much. Oh, my goodness. I can only imagine. And I, I mm -hmm. do feel like for anyone who's listening and who, you know, may be relatively new to, to the world of, of ESG as we're seeing it today, like you really were doing this work you know, from on the investor side before almost anyone was doing this work on the investor <laughs> side. Um, and I can only imagine too, going from that to like how exciting, like, you know, when you started doing this work with tech companies was also such a cool moment. You know, I say from being inside a tech company and looking at mm -hmm. what all of our peers were doing, it was also such a cool moment to be doing um, sustainability and social impact work and, and truly creating new things that had not been done before. So um, it's, it's so cool to see how you're bringing that um, to bear in, in this new role, um, building this function from the ground up. I mean, I guess not fully from the ground up, but really integrating it across Expedia group. And I'm curious, what inspired you? I mean, it's an interesting move. Um, I have ideas of why I think it's so cool, but what inspired you to join a travel company in the middle of a global pandemic, probably the time when the least travel was happening in our lifetimes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, there's, there's, there's lots of reasons, but maybe just to start there with what you just said. I mean, I think the absence of travel, you know, like really, really impacted, I think, so many of us in so many different ways, right? Just that lack of ability to kind of connect with others, the lack of ability to connect with different cultures, be able to see the world, maybe visit family, visit friends. And that, that absence of travel, I think, just only um, re-emphasized to so many of us the important role that it plays in our life, right? And so I think that that is actually part of, you know, the build, the, the foundation from which we can kind of also build some of our work, right? It's a recognition of just what an important role it has for us. But I think, you know, really personally, it was, you know, lots of, I mean, I had spent all this time at BSR kind of looking at what makes a strong program and what doesn't. And, you know, and I didn't have a, a real checklist, but I, but I had a sense of, you know, where would I go where I would know that, that the company was going to take these issues seriously, that was, that they were really committed. And of course, all of that was, was really important, really important factors in me making this kind of a decision. And I think through the interview process, I was able to explore all of those different dimensions. I spent a lot of time with the CEO and got a lot of, you know, his perspective and insights about where, where he saw this work going. And that was all just really important kind of for me as, as a background to making my decision. And then I think travel, you know, I heard, I'd heard from a lot of people. I had a lot of peers and a lot of friends working in sustainability roles within companies. And, you know, I'd heard that 
you know, a factor to the success of you being in this role and, and a factor to your kind of interest and passion in these kinds of roles is being connected to ultimately the product that the company is delivering, right? And I think mm-hmm. you don't always get to do that and I can understand that and recognize that. But I think, you know, I feel deeply connected to travel and I, and I can really get behind this idea and this vision that Expedia Group has, that travel is a force for good, that we bridge divides, that we bring people together, that we um, bring different cultures and experiences for people. And um, throughout just the nine months that I've been at Expedia Group, I've heard about so many different transformations that individuals have experienced as a result of their first travel experience. And so it is, it does feel like this great tool that I'm sitting behind, right? This kind of great opportunity to be able to activate for people who don't otherwise have access to it and to be able to benefit from some of these kinds of experiences that we know travel can afford the world. And so I think understanding that and being really connected to that mission was really important to me. I also think, you know, the experience of, of not getting to travel um, also just, you know, reinforced the importance of it to me. And then I think, you know, in a lot of the conversations during the interview process, you know, I did hear about how, you know, we were ultimately a technology company that was connecting human beings. And that was our mission, right? Like we, that was our objective in the world. Yes, we were tech, but we were tech that that provided for individuals and human beings to make connections. And that just also speaks really deeply to me. And so kind of being able to get behind all of that made me feel really, you know, excited about the opportunity. And now I do, I regularly say in my role that I feel like I'm sitting behind all these like beautiful ingredients and all these really interesting pieces and you know what dish we're going to make with them is just like so exciting right because i think we have all these really really interesting tools um at our disposal we have all these huge kind of global challenges that need addressing and how we leverage those tools and those um those connections towards some of those global challenges is is just a really exciting opportunity for me Ah, well, that is so cool to hear. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, and I love the kitchen analogy of (laughs) all the ingredients that you have to work with and would love to hear a little bit more if you're willing to share about how the company is thinking about its role in this broader ecosystem and, um, what some of the key strategic priorities might be moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, so totally happy to share. You know, I think there's, I think there is this idea of, of travel as a force for good. Again, that's, you know, a mission statement that, that uh, Expedia Group has been behind. And I think we all truly believe it. And at the same time, we have to make sure that we're, we're taking care of the kind of impact and, and that we do have as a business and, um, and being very open eyed about the fact that not everyone gets to benefit from these kind of amazing travel experiences that many of us have had. So I think, you know, for us, our areas of focus, um, which are just kind of coming into um, into clarity now, really are about sustainability. So, I mean, you know, it's an existential crisis for the world, for our planet, for all of our people, and, and for the travel industry. There's no doubt. I mean, um, increasingly, people are aware of the impacts of, of travel and, and their kind of individual travel decisions. But also destinations are being, you know, upended every day. I mean, you know, resorts without snow and beaches that are being eroded and, and all, all of the multitude of dimensions and impacts of sustainability. I think um, there, you know, what does Expedia Group have to offer the world is something that's really important for us to really look at our unique kind of value add in this mix. And again, we play a really important part as a convener across many different individual travel components, as I've mentioned, all the hotels, all the vacation rentals, all the airlines, et cetera, and how do we really partner with them to accelerate their transformation and therefore, you know, the transformation of the industry, I think is really important. We also play a really important role in providing travelers with awareness and insights about sustainable choices. Um, and so a lot of people come to our websites to, to book travel and to shop across different travel brands. And so to be able to create a space where brands and different hotels and 
and airlines to compete on sustainability and what does that look like is a really exciting proposition and to be able to just make sure that we're providing clear information and guidance to travelers on what sustainable options and choices look like is, is you know, as another place that we really will be focused. Um, and then leaning into this idea of just, you know, who gets to experience travel. Um, and there's lots of data that supports, you know, it's not everyone, right? And I think it is still um, too often that travel can be um, great experiences for many, but not for all, right? So not everyone can afford travel experiences, of course, in quite the same way. Not everyone has access to passports. Um, there are challenges in safety for, you know, for example, for women who are traveling alone. There's challenges in particular countries and jurisdictions for LGBTQ travelers and feeling safe in those. Um, there's lots of challenges in particular for the disabled community and population and getting access to really good information on accessibility features of different hotel rooms or flights and actually building out more accessible accessible features in these different places as well. So not everyone gets to experience travel in this in this kind of you know amazing way. And so really addressing some of the inequities in the travel system is also going to be a big focus of ours. And there um, you know I do report into our chief inclusion and diversity officer and so our team sits next to our IND team. There's a lot of partnership across both of our teams on, on this particular challenge. And then the other piece that we're, we're also focused on because we really want to build out a platform that is, um, is going to deliver for the, the kind of multitude of challenges that travel and tourism still faces is really around economic um, advancement and, in, and inequity. And, you know, who is benefiting from the kind of wealth generation that's created within the travel economy, right? So I think mm -hmm. there used to be statistics, I don't know if they're still accurate kind of post-COVID, but, you know, one in 10 jobs globally is connected to travel and tourism. It really does fit in every community. Um, but, you know, are these communities that are these destinations that everyone wants to get to, are they really benefiting from the economic opportunity of, of travelers coming to their communities? And what can we do? to help ensure that they can benefit from those? Um, and how can we power more businesses through our travel technology platform um, that are serving underserved travelers, that are led by you know, um, people of color and, and different groups? And so how do we leverage, again, some of the tools that we have within our toolbox to deliver for these different, these different pieces? So overall, I would say it's about access, it's about equity, and it's about sustainability are really the areas of focus for us. Right. Well, that makes so much sense. And these are such huge questions. Right? They're so, yeah, yeah. so existential and so global. Um, yeah. And I know that, you know, as you think about these different areas, that having access to data and access to information is such a huge part of your ability to affect and influence change, whether that's helping travelers get the information they need to make better choices or, you know, designing your products in a way that's going to increase equity and access. Um, what's your take on, I guess, both kind of where we are now with decision useful information for, for travelers and consumers and like where, how we get where we would like to go? Yeah, we're still not there, right? I think, I think, even as individuals who book travel, I think we, we kind of know that, but it is improving. It is, is dramatically improving year over year. And, um, you know, where so many industries have come around to, you know, having worked at BSR again for all these years, we know about all sorts of different industry collaborations, you know, which set out standards and set out expectations. And there's pros and cons of all of those kinds of things. The travel industry is just new to the space of collaboration and of working together and aligning around particular objectives. So it's very, very fresh for this industry to be able to do that. Um, and I really do think some of the quiet of COVID for this industry, I mean, hugely disruptive to this industry, so it doesn't feel quiet, but not a lot going on. So some kind of quiet um, moments to reflect um, has allowed the industry to think about um, standardization about information and what's going out to travelers um, for the first time. So there's a lot that's happening, um, but I don't think all you know individual travelers have quite seen it yet. It hasn't all made its way out to 
the booking experience for individual travelers, for example, um, but a lot of it is happening on the back end. Um, I think there's still a lot of work to do, right? Because I think there's always this balance between providing individuals with meaningful information, you know, carbon emissions of flights or, um, or data about, you know, the impact of a particular room night, for example. Um, but it also has to be information that travelers can understand and mm -hmm. action against, right? And I think, you know, it's, that balance is still pretty tough to come across. And that's ultimately, you know, a partnership between my team, our marketing and brands team, our product team, to be able to bring all of our minds around, you know, this kind of need to help travelers make better decisions in this space. Um, and I think that is, again, you'll see more of that happening over the coming years. And we are very much reliant on um, standard reporting, of course, from all of our hotel partners, standard reporting and guidance from all of the airlines, for example. Um, and, you know, as all of those different individual travel components start to come around particular standards, it will really help us to help travelers make mm -hmm. kind of more comparable decisions as well. Right. I mean, it's such a ripple effect. Um, I was really mm -hmm. struck the last time you and I spoke by by just like, you know, we we think about the information that's being reported in, you know, annual CSR, ESG, sustainability reports, um, you know, as, as a moment in time. But the quality of that information also has effects on that company's customers and partners. Yeah. <laughs> Um, totally. And I feel like we've been like, many people have been kind of beating the drum on like, we need better data, we need but more decision useful information. And we're, we've been working on it, but we're not we're not there yet. Um, so I appreciate yeah, Totally. And I mean, Expedia Group has, you know, we do research on traveler interest and sustainability fairly regularly. And I think, you know, in our most recent research, it is just so much confusion is what we're hearing back, right? Mm -hmm. So I think travelers see green, you know, green leaves and, you know, planet earth and, um, you know, green, green, and they see eco and they see sustainable and, and how, you know, how decision useful is that to an average traveler? It's, it's not there yet, but, you know, I think if you look on that's, that's kind of a little bit of a negative take. And I think if you look on the optimistic take, everyone's trying to figure it out right now, right? So there's mm -hmm. lots of different approaches being piloted, um, lots of kind of A-B testing of different ways in which we can get that information out. And then, you know, on the back end, a lot of consolidation around the standards and, and what is important to get out. So I think all of that will continue, you know, some of that alignment will continue to make sure that the alignment, of course, drives us more and more further up to the top and not towards, you know, kind of a, just too minimal set of criteria as well. Um, so we have to keep pushing for more and more, um, but still more alignment. And I think um, again, there's still this space that people are piloting new solutions in because we all recognize that there is this need and, and confusion. And some of that confusion is okay, I think, to start when we're all still working on what is the best approach. And then hopefully over time, we start to see just more clarity in this space as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely, that makes sense. And it is exciting, too, that it is, while travelers you know, may be confused, it's clearly something that many of us want more information exactly. about. Um, well, one thing that's come through so clearly, Aditi, in so many aspects of what you've shared today is the extent to which you are taking a partnership approach, both within in the work that you're doing within Expedia Group, but also um, the work that you're doing within the travel industry more broadly. Um, and I'm curious if you have any advice or wisdom to share for other people who are thinking about how they can more proactively collaborate with their stakeholders, whether they're internal or external or both? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, internally, it, this has been the big, you know, shift for me in this role. Um, and, you know, I, at, at, at at Calvert, I was able to just really engage with sustainability teams with a little bit more of a hammer. You know, as an investor in your company, we want to see you do X, Y, and Z, which was which is a nice place to be. At at BSR, we got a lot of partnership from counterparts within companies, and then now being in this role within a company, you know, there's it's reliant on a lot of partnership from across the business. And 
you know, I think it is, um, we, we do speak a different language at times. You know, we are looking at a different set of challenges and we are looking at a different set of solutions necessary to address those challenges. So I think um, at times there can be, um, you know, just misalignment on, on where we're headed. And then at other times, um, there can be great partnership. And I think part of exploring that kind of great partnership is, is really having a, a good degree of empathy and a good degree of kind of humility and, and trying to really put yourself in, in someone else's shoes. And it's funny because I was reflecting on some of this with, with my partner the other day, and I said something to him about putting myself in someone else's shoes, and my, my young five-year-old son was like, put yourself in someone else's shoes what does that mean and it was so funny to just have that kind of reaction and kind of like right that's not a saying that works for a five-year-old but I'm thinking most of the people who are listening to this will, will certainly understand that saying and and it was um it was it was very funny because we went on to explain to him what it meant to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes but I think for the purposes of this conversation you know I think it is really about you know what is the field and the discipline that this person has kind of grown up in, right? And like, what have they been oriented to in terms of success? And I think this, a lot of it does kind of go back to some of those incentives that I was talking about early on, because I think all of that is just a realization to me over time too. But, you know, and it's like, if you've grown up in a, in a hyper-competitive environment, are you as inclined to collaboration? Um, you know, probably not, right? Like, that's what you've been kind of bred to be thinking about. If you've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, dimensions around differentiation in different ways. Again, are you going to be thinking about um, partnerships with peers as much? Probably not. So I think it's it's having an understanding of just the starting point for others. I think if you're if you're working in a team that has really big kinds of um, you know boulders that you're working on, kind of pushing up a hill, um, and you're coming out and saying like, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z right now. Um, that's not going to work so well. So I think, you know, really just having a sense of these are the objectives that we have. These are long-term objectives. And how can we partner in the near term to build some of that into your plans? And then what does a longer-term plan look like as well? And not to take, you know, any of it as that there's not interest, because I've only found that there's so much interest across the business and partnership. It is a matter of sequencing. It's a matter of prioritization. And then there is some ultimately conviction that I think you have to have in these roles as to the way in which some of this work does need to get done as well and be a little bit unapologetic about that kind of conviction mm -hmm. as well because I think that's I think it's really important because um, you know this function has the risk of falling by the wayside without that kind of um, without that kind of commitment to it as well so I think you know lots of different lessons that I've learned in terms of partnership internally I think partnership externally comes a lot, you know, more naturally to me. I've been working in this space of B2B collaborations for, for a long time. And I mean, I think, you know, we in this field, we inherently get it. We're not going to get there alone, right? I think it's great, though. I think it's still great to compete, too. I think there's, I think it's great to be able to um, show the industry what's possible, show, you know, our travelers and our customers what's possible to continue to move the needle forward and then collaborate on the parts that, where we need to, where we need standardization, where we need common approaches, where we need to collectively push the rest of the industry to move forward, you know, having common messages in all of those areas are really, really important. I think alignment across the industry around what we're working towards, all of that really important and finding those kinds of partnership opportunities, um, I think come much more naturally to me are new to the travel industry. Um, I keep hearing that it's a very competitive industry and one that hasn't really worked together much previously. And um, that is just new to me because that's not, you know, the way that I've um, partnered in, in the past. And so I haven't, I haven't had that experience. Thankfully, I think I'm joining the industry at a time where it's very much open to collaboration and partnership, if anything, um, with many of our, um, our hotel and air partners there's so much enthusiasm about partnering on sustainability, which has just been um, great because there's so much more that we can achieve together. Um, but there has been a lot of learning for me on, on those internal partnerships, setting out those expectations, working on incentives together, and then hopefully over time, building in these metrics that you know make, make it meaningful that we're working towards dual objectives. We're not working mm -hmm. towards just my objective or just your objective, but we're working towards both of these object objectives and we can do both at the same time.
Right. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. I think it's really so underappreciated the extent to which being effective in these roles is really about creating shared incentives so that you are aligned and and rowing in the same direction, for lack of a better (laughs) metaphor. Um, well, I mean, I could talk to you forever. Uh, <laughs> I would love to. Um, I do want to ask just a couple more questions um, while I have you here, even though I feel like I could ask you a hundred. Um, changing topics a little bit. I mean, and, and actually not because I do think leading through collaboration, leading through partnership, appreciating that we can't get there alone to me are such key tenets of feminine leadership um, and and how I think of feminine leadership. But I know that you've done a ton of work on women's empowerment. Um, I know that you've been in leadership roles for a long time. And I'm curious, um, what's your take on what we need to do to get more women into positions of power? And how would you define feminine leadership or what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, a lot of the things that you described in, in your opening, uh, you know, to, to start with the last question first, I think, you know, are, are definitely tenets of a feminine leadership in my mind as well. And um, and I think the more that we appreciate that those are critically needed in workplaces today and, and to be able to be successful in workplaces today, I think really helps accelerate the first part of, of the question as well. But I think, you know, to me, it is about, yep, those collab- that collaborative spirit and then that inclusive um, component, of course, as well. And I, I'm really intentional about that with my team that, that I lead. Um, you know, if you're on my team, you're definitely there for a purpose. And I really want to hear from you. I really appreciate points of view. I regularly will lean on all of my team um, for their input into different decisions and um, and bring in their points of view in, into whatever kind of decision that I'm making. And so um, that's really important to me as well. I mean, you know, in in today's world, just, you know, coming out of, I don't know if we can say that, but in the midst of a pandemic and all the, the, the multitude of challenges that we're facing, I think just also, it just means leading as a human, right? Like being really open to, um, you know, our humanity and, and the way that we are just people ourselves and we're going to make mistakes, we're going to kind of do our best and and having those kinds of expectations for our team as well, right? Like, it's okay. And um, and we all are kind of in this together. And so really working with those cooperative kind of elements are really important to me. Um, I think, you know, on, on the change for women, I mean, this is just like, yeah, it's been so much of what I've dedicated my career to. I, again, out of graduate school, when um, what really got me going personally was knowing the disparities, right? Like, I don't think at any point prior to my MBA experience, I really knew the data around the lack of women in leadership. I really appreciated the data. I, I don't think I just maybe just never saw it. And so I just never really understood. But then as soon as I knew, I had to do something about it, right? So mm-hmm. I think I heard during my MBA career, like, um, you know, women never ask for raises and or never negotiate their salaries and, and probably ask for raises too. I don't know. Um, and for me, that meant like it didn't matter what salary I was being offered. I was going to negotiate my salary because <laughs> I just wanted to, <laughs> to not be there. And that is just like, that is, you know, a bit of a spirit that burns within me. Um, and that was, just, you know, the way that I wanted to address it. But I think when we look at wider solutions, we can't look to those kinds of solutions, right? Like I definitely do not think that the solution is getting lots of women to change what they're doing. And I do think the solutions are more structural. Those are just much more complex to address as we all know. I mean, you know, that means the changes in laws that we need to see, that means the changes in workplace policies, like all of the things, all of the work that's being done, all of it is moving us in the right direction. It will take time. I think the parts that are, you know, harder to track and are probably equally important are really those shifts in in norms and cultural norms and stereotypes and how we think about women's roles um, and what we're teaching girls about their roles, what we're teaching boys about girls' roles, how we're talking about all of these things, the kind of, you know, behaviors that are being modeled in workplaces permeate within, you know, communities, the kinds of you know, um, behaviors that are being role modeled in families permeate the children. And so all of those things, I mean, all of it 
you know, has a huge impact in, in the status of how women are showing up in society. And so we need to keep pushing on all fronts. I myself am raising two boys who um, are, are regularly schooled um, on, you know, on the role and, um, and, you know, the fact there are no limitations to the role of women across society and, and they see it role models in our households. And I think that that's even more important than anything else. And so, um, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, I guess on the unfortunate side, there's not one single answer. And then on the fortunate side, you know, we all have a role to play, right? And we all have a piece um, of this to, to be able to address in, in whatever um, space we're sitting in. And so there's, there's a lot to do. Um, you know, at times, I think when you're just looking at the data, you can feel <laughs> like, you know, there is such, I mean, I, I think I've written the term glacial pace of change so many times. And every time <laughs> I would write a blog about gender equality, it would always just start with this kind of like, you know, negative sentiments on, <laughs> on the change. And it, and it is tough because I think if you just look at the data, it is tough. I hope, you know, no matter where each of us are, we can find a piece for ourselves to be able to do because it's really at the intersection of all of these different pieces that change really needs to happen. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I love the framing because it, it really is something that, um, and I think both, you know, getting more women into positions of power and like, you know, changing how we think about leadership and coming back to like sustainability, like these are two huge, huge things. Um, yeah. But we all have, we are all empowered to play our role in addressing them. And I think that can be so daunting, but it can also be so liberating of like, you don't need the job title to work mm-hmm. on this. Like we all get to mm-hmm. show up to work on this kind of however, like whatever work is ours to do. Um, Absolutely. We don't need Absolutely. someone to give us permission. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, that's, you know, that's in, in how you're voting in elections. That's how you're engaging as a citizen. It's your role. It's like a parent. If you are, you know, your role as an employee or a leader or a manager, it's like your role in all sorts of different places. You're, you know, you're getting to have an impact in this space for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, the last thing I want to ask, um, and I ask this to everyone, I have a not at all secret vision that one day I'm going to have a deck of inspirational post-it notes with that are pre-populated with people's favorite reminders. Um, and so if you uh, got an Aditi post-it note <laughs> with, <laughs> with a reminder for women changing the world out there, um, what would you want to write on it? I think I would, I think I would want to write just to be brave, you know, and mm-hmm. I think um, what's really important for me is that we're not apologetic about this work, right? It's not, it's not secondary. It's not less important. It's not on the sidelines. It is central to what, like everything that is needed. And I think, you know, we all just have to have that kind of confidence and that, um, and that mindset to like make this, make this happen and make the kinds of changes that we need to see happen. I love that. I feel like um, so many of the messages recently have have been in that same vein, and mm-hmm. and it does take so much. It can take courage, right, to to mm-hmm. birth the new and to do things that haven't been done before. But we need it. <laughs> we yeah, need- we need it, and we need the conviction that we know that it's the right thing, right? Like we don't, you know, even if it's kind of pushing in a direction that not everyone <laughs> is thrilled to hear or, you know, means that we have to do things a little bit differently. It's necessary and we need our voices full of conviction at the table with confidence that it's the right thing to do and that um, and that we can do it, right? Like we all are capable of doing hard things and, um, and we have to face the challenges that we know are out there. And if we don't face them, nothing's going to change. Um, but we have to do it with the kind of conviction that we know we can make we can make an impact. Mm, mm-hmm. It reminds me that that framing is so powerful. It reminds me of uh, at some point I read and and processed that like it was not my job for everyone to like me, yeah. um, and that if everyone liked me, I probably wasn't doing my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, um, I I can totally see that. I can very much appreciate that. Um, 
Amazing. Well, I love it. Um, and friendly reminder to anyone who's listening. <laughs> if, if you're ruffling some feathers, we need you too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Aditi, this has been such a treat. Um, again, I feel like there's so much, we barely scratched the surface, oh, yeah. so there's so much more to talk about, hopefully in the future. Um, and in the meantime, where can people find uh, or keep in touch with you or learn more about the very cool work that you are doing at Expedia Group? Yeah, I would say, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Um, so please do look me up on LinkedIn and I'm sure Liz can share, you know, my um, LinkedIn handle and, and connect with me there. I'd love to be able to stay in touch and, you know, share or answer any questions that you might have. Amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Yay. Well, thank you so much for making time. This has been such a treat. I love that we covered everything from incentives to globetrotting to <laughs> feminine <laughs> leadership and just so appreciate you taking the time, Adini. It was such a pleasure for me. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is Liz.Best, that's L-I-S dot B-E-S-T, or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Liz Best. Join my mail list by visiting elizabethbest.com slash monthly meditation, and you'll receive all the latest updates on events, retreats, and opportunities to work with me, plus a monthly love note from my heart to your inbox. I am so excited to keep in touch, and I'll see you in the next episode.